Blog Talk Radio. Hello, hi, uh, welcome to Travel Advice. Um, are you looking for travel advice in your next travels? Join Chris and Jerry to get the travel advice you need for your next trip. And travel advice shows include a, a new travel destination every week and answers specific travel questions on the show. Um, and, you, and this is a live show where you can email um, you can email at traveladvice uh, show at traveladvice dot com, or you can call live at six four six nine one five nine seven one five. And today is uh, February twenty sixth, uh, two thousand seven, and today we're going to be talking about giving advice for people going to Antarctica, um, one of the great destinations, one of the continents um, that is probably not many people have gone there. Um, <laughs> But but I, I know Jerry. Jerry, how are you doing, yes. Jerry? Oh, very good. How are you? Oh, great, great, really good. Um, yeah, and and um, yeah, like today we're talking about uh, Antarctica mm-hmm. there, and um, and l- last week we talked about Mexico. We had a great show last week with our special guest Sylvia. Um, she she talked a lot about Mexico and. Um, so today, yeah, we're, we're just going to discuss, um, you know, just different options on how to how to go about going to Antarctica. Um, you know, Jerry, when I when I tell people about the show today, I, like a lot of people laughed a little bit. I, I and they <laughs> said, what, 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 "What are you talking about today?" And I go, "Antarctica," and you, you don't hear that word that often. You know, I know and, it. And you know, it's news, probably, yeah, yeah, it's probably the least visited continent in the world. And, uh, yeah, yeah. And, but oddly enough, uh, as you all talked about it today, it's becoming more and more and more popular and visited. Uh, oh, is it really? It's incredible. Yeah. When I first went my first time way back 30 years ago or more, there were only about two cruise ships, I mean two ships that would do it, Lindblad and Society Expeditions, and uh, they were very expensive and fabulous and very only held like 80 people. So not many people could go for really many, many years. But um, then more ships are coming, and it's amazing the kinds of ships. In fact, uh, Crystal, which is one of the world's greatest cruise lines, it's world famous as being voted sometimes the best cruise line in the world, is now going to Antarctica on a real cruise ship. And uh, you're going to go all the way down, for example, from like Santiago, Chile, Valparaiso area, up to uh, Argentina, to uh, Buenos Aires. And uh, they spend about four days in Antarctica on this luxury cruise line. Oh. And, yeah, it's amazing. Um, there are other ones. Um, there's a company called Cruise Norway. And Cruise, Cruise Norway uh, uses some of these ships of Norwegian coastal voyages, and they go down, and they go to Antarctica. And, um, yeah, it's amazing. And then also uh, Hapag Lloyd, it's H-A-P-A-G hyphen, L-L-O-I-D, as the Hanseatic ship, which is a German line, which uh, often goes down to Antarctica. So, and then there's Polar Cruises, which usually books Quark, and we'll talk about Quark more. But uh, they mainly give you good discounts or uh, things on Quark. But it, the thing about Antarctica that's so unique, uh, I've been there four times by ship, and one time I flew there and spent about five days at the Chilean station, and then we flew back. And that was a lot of fun because I've never stayed there. Most of the time you go by boat and you stay uh, on the boat and you take day trips to the various parts. And we need to talk about four or five things here. 
The reason okay. we chose Antarctica today is because this is the time you book it for next year. Um, it sells out so quickly. It is just unreal. So you need to book it now if you're going to go the next season because the uh, season basically is from mid-November until the end of February. So that gives you about three and a half months uh, to book whatever you want. And uh, some of them are very, very popular and sell out immediately. So you, some of the ships only hold like 80 people. So you need to book it very, very quickly if you want that kind of ship. Now, we, I want to talk a little bit about when to go. The people who are more interested in the little bitty babies, maybe still seeing the eggs, like on the penguins, and uh-huh. uh, maybe watching them when they hatch, they usually go in November and early December. Because depending on what part of Antarctica you are, uh, that's when you're going to see them hatch. And that's really neat. And then if you want to see the little babies waddle around, you go December and January, and that's when they waddle. And it's really cute, too. And then oh, yeah. if you want to see them bigger, uh, we're getting ready to be independent and head off. Uh, then you go in the latter part of January, February, and maybe into March if you find something, but most end in January. So that's depending on what you want to do and what you want to see, that's when you would go. That's why I've been so many times to see different stages and different ways. Um, now, we're going to talk about them, the way to see it. Um, as I mentioned, there are several cruise lines that do it and the adventure cruises that do it. And if you want to go to Antarctica and say, I saw Antarctica, and yes, it's great, and you really don't do very much there, then you're going like Crystal Cruise Line. Or you would call uh, Cruise Norway or the uh, Norwegian Coastal Voyages and book one of their programs uh, because they don't generally spend much time on land. Uh, you just cruise down there and you see it and from a, a little distance, and then you go back. It's almost like going through the inside passage of Alaska. You just cruise by the different islands and different places. Uh, sometimes you'll stop, but it is not really uh, the true Antarctic experience. So if you want to be uh, my, my mother would rather do that, like on Crystal Cruise, and say, yep, I saw it, and experience it a little bit with all the glaciers. They go through Glacier Alley and all that, but they don't, she doesn't want to get out there and spend hours with the penguins and all that. So that crystal would be great for her. But most people, and that's why you got to book so soon, if they're going to go to Antarctica, because most people only go once in their life, oh. uh, they really just go once. Uh, they will want to go on either Limblad Expeditions or Clipper or Quark, K-U-A-R-K. These three companies, especially Quark and Lindblad, L-I-N-D-B-L-A-D, Expeditions, um, are world famous for going to Antarctica. Uh, they are real ships, uh, real adventure ships. They don't have any gambling. They don't have any nightlife, per se. Um, when you're at sea, they have lectures. They have lots of guest professors, famous people, guest famous photographers, famous everybody, and they will give lectures uh, at night during the day when you're at sea, and um, they will uh, escort you. Uh, for example, uh, if you're interested in photography, then the, the one giving lectures on photography, if there's one of those on your, on your ship, uh, you'll go with that person, and they will show you which lens to use, um, how much um, whatever, and what film to use, the whole bit, because uh, it's very bright down there, as you can imagine, all that snow. And those ships are famous for that, and you really get embedded with it. Uh, it's fabulous. Um, they're the best way to go if you truly want to experience Antarctica. 
Now, quark is different. It's very expensive as a rule, but quark is different because quark even has a helicopter on board. Mm. Wow. And you can actually go out on a helicopter, and they'll land you out there. And that's a fabulous experience. I really like going on quark. Uh, they also have a sea kayaks, two-person sea kayaks, and you hop in those things, and you go kayaking around the bays and things. I mean, it, and Limblad has those too. And those three ships that I talked about, uh, Quark, Limblad, and Kipper, all have Zodiacs. And those are those motorized rubber boats that will hold maybe, I don't know, uh, 12 people. And oh, okay. they load you up, and you go speeding off to the mainland, to the continent, or to an island. And then you walk around um, with whatever you're going to see, and then you come back. And that's why most people who truly want an Antarctica experience will go on one of those three cruises. There are others that do it, um, all kinds of ways that you can do it. There is a, uh, an organization now that does something that I want to do next year. They did this year for the first time, but I couldn't fit it in. <clears throat> and if you want to read about it, uh, you'll go to Ladatco, L-A-D-A-T-C-O.com, and click on Antarctica and go to their um, – Antarctica, I think it's 22, XX1 or XX2, and read about it. Because the worst part about going to Antarctica is the Drake Passage. And this flies you across the Drake Passage. You go to uh, Punta Arenas, uh, Chile, at the bottom, and they put you on a plane and they fly you to uh, King George Island, which gets you across that horrible Drake Passage. And then you cruise around Antarctica, come back, and then fly back to uh, Punta Arenas. What a brilliant idea, and I highly recommend it um, for those people that don't want to be bounced around at sea for two days each way, and uh, it's a brilliant way to do it, and go to, to ladatco.com and click on the Antarctica because it's great, and they sell out very fast, so you need to book it fast. Um, now, I want to talk a little bit about um, the Drake Passage because this is the part that is either going to make or break your trip. Uh, as I said, I've crossed it four times round trip, which is eight times uh, four in one direction and four in the other. And I will tell you, it is one of the, it can be one of the roughest uh, seas in the world. It is horrible. Uh, the last time I went down, I was with Clipper. And I tell you, our captain, he was Danish, was phenomenal. I mean, was phenomenal. Uh, we were about four decks from the bottom and uh -huh. had picture windows. And um, the, the, on Wednesday afternoon, we left Deception Island and then I headed off to uh, Ushuaia in Argentina. And uh, by Wednesday at dinner time, so about four hours after we went to a glacier, oh, you know, I'll talk about that in a minute, but uh, we went charging up there. And by dinner time, the boat was going. 45 degrees to the left, 45 degrees to the right, about 45 oh. degrees to the front, and 45 degrees to the back, all at the same time. Jeez. And it did that until Friday morning. I oh, tell you. my gosh. Yeah, it's phenomenal. Actually, I loved it. I didn't get seasick, but we had, I think, 88 passengers on board. And, um, well, at dinner that night, we had 10 people at the table. Uh, and they broke so many plates. In fact, it was actually a wonderful experience because – I have never had to, um, well, you held your plate 
in your hand. You can put it on the table because it'll go 45 degrees and fall off. Then you come back, level, then it'll go 45 degrees back. Then it'll go 45 degrees front and back. So you're just, oh, it's awful. And uh, you'd hold your plate in your hand. And when it was pretty level, you would throw some food in your mouth as fast as you could. And then you'd hold it again and chew it while you're going sideways and forward. And it turns out that most of that time, he didn't tell us until it was over. Most of the time, it, the wind was 125 miles an hour. And the, my roommate um, was so seasick, he almost died. Anyway, by the time we got to Thursday night, there were four of us out of 88 people having dinner. And uh, oh. my roommate never got out of bed. He was, oh, he was miserable. And he said, it looks like we're inside of a washing machine. Because you go down under water and then you come up out of it and go down under water. And it's fabulous. So, but I mean, three times in the directions, I have been in water at least 100 miles an hour wind forever. So the Drake Passage can be either decent, usually it's kind of rough, uh, it's not smooth as a lake, but it's never smooth as a lake. But every now and then you're going to get a horrible time, and I tell you, a lot of people said, oh, I'm so glad we lived. And when we found out, well, you go up to the uh, bridge, they have open bridges, and you go up there and sit on this chair and buckle yourself in, and the bridge is way up high, and the water, you'll go down, and the waves will go over the bridge. Over the bridge. We'll be underwater. And it was the most fabulous thing I've ever seen in my life. And the uh, captain was fabulous. But now, uh, that's the Drake Passage. So this deal about flying across the Drake Passage, uh, for those that don't want to experience that kind of a thing, I don't think they've ever lost anybody in the modern days. Um, they won't let you off outside the boat. Uh, they put metal things on the portholes at the lower decks. And um, they really have barf bags all along the hallways on the uh, rails up the stairs and everything because you're flying up and down, you're hanging on the rails and go up two or three feet and down hard. But it's fun. So if you don't want to do that, look at ladaco.com. It's a brilliant idea. And you're going to get the whole experience except the Great Passage. Now, what, I want yeah, to... Huh? Uh, no, is, the great, is the Great Passage, is that uh, where no, the, the Pacific Ocean the and Atlantic no, Ocean kind of... The Drake. Is the Drake. D-R-A-K-E, Drake Passage. Dra oh, Drake, okay. Uh-huh. It's the oh, wow. waters that separate southern South America to Antarctica Peninsula. Oh, okay, okay. okay. And, and it is, and, uh, pardon? Uh, and how long does it take to, to go through all that, to go through it's the, about, the... It's about a day and a half. Oh, really? Whoa, yeah, a day and a half on that boat. Yeah. Whoa. It's uh, 36 to 40 hours, depending oh, on yeah. where you're leaving from and, and things, and either direction. Now, I want to talk just a bit about the part of Antarctica okay. that you can go to. Now, most people, particularly from North America and Europe, they go and down to Ushuaia or Punta Arenas, and they get on a boat, and there's some options. Um, many of them get on a boat and go to the Falkland Islands and then down to the peninsula and some of the islands, and then come back. Now, that is what's called the classic Antarctic adventure. Uh, a lot of people do that. In fact, or they will fly to the Falklands and then come on down to the uh, peninsula and back to South America. And that's a very good option. Um, the, some, of them, some of them start like in uh, Ushuaia and do peninsula and come back. Now, <coughs> and that's about a week, nine days. And that's enough for most people. Now, if you really want to see like the king penguins and the emperor penguins and a whole bunch of others, then you'll want to include uh, what they call South Georgia Island, and it's to the right. 
it adds another couple of days to the trip. You're talking oh. closer to 12 days if you're going to go out there to say, uh, South Georgia and oh, okay. or you're going to go to South Shetland Islands. And it would add more time. And um, the Arctic Circle, most ships, most ships do not cross the Arctic Circle. Um, the Antarctic Circle, I don't mean the Arctic, the Antarctic Circle, they don't cross it because uh, either they don't have the time to do it uh, because they um, just do the northern part of the peninsula or the mainland on the peninsula, the little islands roundabout, or um, the weather is getting kind of bad. Like you don't usually do it in parts of February and you don't do it end of November, maybe parts first of December because you can get into ice. Oh. I know when we did the last time, um, uh, we went in February and we went across the uh, Antarctic Circle. But the funny part about it is that um, we hit ice and we almost got stuck in there. And he had to back out. So, um, and it took him almost, we were late getting back and it, because he had to back out of it. And, um, but it's it, it, good experience and no big deal. Uh, at least I didn't think there's any big deal as far as getting stuck. <laughs> then I want to talk a little bit about um, 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 Iceberg Alley. Iceberg Alley is probably one of the most exciting things, in my opinion, about Antarctica. Uh, you can hit it going into Antarctica, or you can hit it coming out. It's at the southern northern part of the peninsula, uh, just off okay. of South America. Ooh, and okay. uh, what happens is um, these are icebergs. And I don't know how many there are. Uh, there might be as many as 100 floating around out there. And you uh, sometimes they will stop at your zodiac and go speeding around them. That's phenomenal. And um, you're not supposed to do this, but I have been on a couple of them where they just don't let you climb on them. But it's kind of scary because if they tipped over your dead meat. <clears throat> but um, it is an interesting experience, and uh, it's beautiful because the ice, I always thought ice was white. Ice is blue, and it ranges from, all, uh-huh, from uh, navy blue, <clears throat> like a deep, almost black blue, all the way to uh, baby blanket blue. You know, the boys' baby blankets, the palest of blue. And turquoise and almost uh, fluorescent. It is spectacular. And as you go through this iceberg alley, uh, you see all the shades of blue, and it's worth the trip. And the other reason people go is they go to uh, see the penguins and the animals and the birds. And depending on where you go, depending on how many penguins you'll see and what type you'll see. And you'll need to do a little bit of research because, like, um, on South Georgia, um, that's where um, that's where most of the king penguins are, and like on Macquarie uh, Island is where the royal emblems uh, penguins are, and some of the emperor ones are. So what you'll want to do, uh, see what you, where you want to go. Now one of my trips to Antarctica <coughs> um, is I went to Tasmania, and we went from Tasmania down to Antarctica, came across and came up to. Um, oh man. South America. It takes about a month. And um, Quark is made that famous. And they even have it once in a while where they go completely around South America. I'd rather dive into that myself. I'm not that much of a fan of, of I don't mean South America, Antarctica. And they go around Antarctica and come back. That's where they started. Um, I think if you really want to get a wide variety of it, 
uh, you could end up in either South America or in New Zealand or Tasmania uh, at Hobart. And uh, they have different cruises. There are different ships that do this. And uh, if you want the best experience, you need to go on Cork or Limblad, I think, because of the helicopters and the sea kayaks and the zodiacs. They make sure you go ashore all the time. And um, oh, do you have any questions about any of this? Yeah, no, yeah. Um, well, it sounds like I mean you got a lot of variety of different types of ships you can go on, but you know there's more variety now than maybe 20 years ago or 15 years ago. Well, even there. five years ago. Yeah. yeah. Wow. Really? Okay. Okay. Uh, is it just um, you know is it is it because the ships are are better made or to do the voyage or is it just the supply and demand like more people are wanting to go to Antarctica or do you think or is it? Well, I think it's supply and demand. Um, yeah. Yeah. Now, there, there are some ships that are double-hulled and made for this type of thing, and they can go farther into the um, ice and farther south into Antarctica. Some of the luxury cruisers, like Crystal, they can't go quite as far in because of the ice. They can't afford to have the ice in them. Uh, they have good holes and all that, but they're not designed for this specifically. So yeah, if I, that I, could I think... happen, they'd, they'd be in a lot of trouble. Yeah, right. I, I think a lot of people, when they think of Antarctica, like they just think of ice and, you know, and, and not much li people or not many things living down there, you know what I mean? But mm -hmm. it, it, it sounds like there's a pretty big ecosystem that goes on down there with the penguins and the birds and like there's a lot of wildlife down there. Um, yeah, in, in there's a lot of sea lions and stuff like that. Yeah, and, uh, yeah. One thing that's kind of fun is um, I always take with me a plastic grocery bag and oh. maybe four or five of them, because what is what is fabulous is they'll take you to these places with these thousands, I mean thousands of penguins, different kinds. Oh. And um, well, you can ice it down in it, and there's not a penguin poop, and just put that on the ground so you won't sit in it. And then uh, they just come up and go, and they come right up to you and talk to you. <laughs> really? Uh, you you yeah. talk to them? Okay. Yeah. You oh, just talk back. Now, some, of, some people... Uh, may want to experience the penguins in a different way. For example, in the Falkland Islands, there's an island called, and it's way down south too, there's a, the most southern of the Falkland Islands is called Sea Lion Island. And um, they have thousands of penguins, and my favorite of all penguins is the uh, rockhopper. They can go over there and sit amongst the rockhopper, there's nobody there at you, and they just come up to the cliff and talk to you, and then they go back down the cliff to get food for their babies. And um, so that's an option. So if you are going to include Falkland Islands, you may want to fly to the Falklands a week early and take some time in the Falklands and then pick up the boat when it comes through and then finish off in Antarctica. Because the Falklands are magnificent islands. It's fabulous for all kinds of animals and birds and people. Really great place. That's great. Well, do, hey, Jerry, do you have to have a visa to go to Antarctica? Or no. Anything? Do you get a no. stamp? Or, no, you're... you're... No, uh, you only need the visa um, to get into the country that you're leaving from if you need one. Oh, oh, uh, like Americans need a visa for Australia, and you have that before you go to Hobart. For example, if you get off in New Zealand, they'll give you the visa there when you get off. Oh, okay. And in uh, Argentina and Chile, you'll need a visa, but you can get it there, but you better check with your uh, uh, cruise company, and they'll tell you your nationality and what documentation you need to get there. But no, once you're on the ship, you don't have any, there's nobody down there. <laughs> okay. There's nobody down there. Now, 
in one of them. I can't remember which it is. This is embarrassing. I think I, I'm going to be wrong because the last time we were there, uh, we went uh, visited one of the stations. I visited quite a few of the stations in the times I've been, and, and I can't get them straight, but basically um, they stamped our passports oh. that uh, we were at that station, which is kind of oh. cute. Oh, and they stamped it. Oh, nice, nice. For, yeah. for people who want to get a stamp of, yeah, that that'd be cool yeah. putting that on your passport. Yeah, yeah a little souvenir. Yeah. yeah. I can't remember, I think it's the Chilean one, but I won't swear. Maybe it's Russian. I can't remember. But uh-huh. I've been about six of them over the years, and I can't remember which. We did two uh, stations on the last cruise that I did that one. I can't remember which one we did that gives the stamp. But um, there are so many options down there. Mm-hmm. Um, one thing uh, in photography. Um, make sure you have billions of film opportunities. <coughs> if you use oh, roll film, I mean, take 50 or 60. And if you use um, digital, make sure you have a whole lot of those disk things that you can put in because you are going to take thousands of pictures. Everybody does. And, of course, you won't use all of them. You'll throw a lot away. But you will just take thousands. The sunsets and sunrises are magnificent. Oh, and I'm sure. And as you're going down and these albatross um, come flying around, uh, so they get real close, and you t- get their picture real close. And uh, some of the sea lions you can get right there and the seals and things. You can get within 10 feet, and you'll just I, take their picture. Huh? I bet you the light is amazing down there, the white and, you know, just the – the the views and you know it's probably so much different because of the angle of the sun you're down way down in the in the bottom of the earth there you know and, and the, I know and yeah. I don't know much about photography I mean here I'm saying take film I took the last time well I've been there five times and the only film I've ever taken ever was my last one trip and I took one of these Kodak things that you instant things that you are not instant but you get 27 oh, yeah. pictures. Oh, right, yeah, yeah, the disposable? Yeah, yeah right. And that's all I took. And because um, my sister and mother and my wife said, you've got to take some pictures of that article. I said, well, if you want to go down there and see it. <laughs> right. I'm the same way. I'm not a real um, – I don't take a whole lot of pictures when they go, but I, I like to get into it more, though. Yeah, yeah. That's... But, but I found even with that camera that every one of my pictures turned out very good. I mean, they didn't oh. have to make National Geographic quality or – Right. But they were very good, and you knew exactly what it was, and they were very good. And so, but I know people who are really into it take all these lenses and filters and different speeds. Oh yeah. As, um, yeah. Film, or the digital, they can control it. They take expensive digital cameras if they really want the best quality. Because as you say, the lighting is very different down there, and yeah. um, the glare is interesting. And uh, most people were these super expensive uh, sunglasses with the UV and all this right. stuff, <laughs> polarized and whatever thing they can get on them. Mm-hmm. Yeah, hey, Jerry, it looks like we're almost out of time here. Oh, really? Yeah, yeah. We really, yeah. I, I, is there anything that, you, you know, that we should, um, you know, just summarize, I guess, you know, you know, just about if it's your first time visiting Antarctica or, or if it's your second time, you know, but if um, – to kind of let everybody know, you know, just on what uh, what, what to expect and, and why you should go, kind of, you know, or you ha- you kind of have to go once in your life, right? You kind everybody of try. should go once because yeah. it truly really is. I mean, they call it the last frontier, uh-huh. and, uh, and 
indescribable. I mean, everyone loves it down there, and most people will go once or twice. I mean, twice, <laughs> but uh, everybody should go once. The, the main thing, there's two things you need to worry about. Number one is why are you going? You want to see the little eggs and the babies? Or you want to see them bigger? And number two, you want to get out there and be very active in helicopters and zodiacs and sea kayaks, or you want to go luxurious and like the Crystal Cruise or some of the others. So oh, okay. you just have to make those two decisions, and uh, then you'll you'll have a great time. That's great. Yeah. Well, that's excellent. Yeah, I think, God, I that sounds great. Yeah, I mean, it, it just sounds that there's um, a lot of variety, uh, d- different uh, ports that you can go from, from Chile, Argentina, all the way to uh-huh. Tas- Tasmania to New Zealand. I mean, so there's a there's quite a few ports that you can go from. You can fly into it, you know, you can you can take cruises. Um, you you got to be careful if you don't get, if you have seasick, you'd be really careful uh, along the passage, there, the drift yeah. passage. <laughs> yeah, no, I, don't think, uh, I, don't, I don't think I can handle that. I, I get really seasick um, pretty good. Yeah, most people, I mean, 90% of the people, uh, I guess, will get seasick. Yeah. Uh, to some degree or other. And um, maybe just for a couple of hours or, three days or whatever, but it's um, it's well worth it, uh, even though you're miserable. Um, mm-hmm. It's well worth it because when you're through with the trip, there's nothing like it on Earth, absolutely nothing like it on Earth. Right, right. Well, that's great. Uh, well, yeah, well, um, that's great. And, and that and that concludes the Antarctica uh, yep. Travel Advice Show. And then uh, next week, on March 5th, we're talking about Africa, um, you know, just all the different types of uh, – trips you can explore africa it's a big continent um it's a big uh uh place but i guess we'll just talk about some specific areas and try to talk about that and um well, i think i think well we'll see if you get any calls but i think we'll probably maybe emphasize some of the areas that are not quite as popular oh, okay. know, everybody goes to kenya everyone goes to tanzania everyone goes uh-huh. to south africa and um zimbabwe but not now because they're killing people but basically, I think we'll spend some time in West Africa and some of the unique ways of traveling, the famous ways, and um, and go that route. And if you get callers or email. Sounds, sounds good. Yeah, hopefully we'll get email. It's a travel advice show at traveladvice.com. And also it's a live show, so you can call in at 646-915-9715. And we're, we're in the U.S., so it's a 01 international code if anybody's out there. And thank you so much, everybody, for listening. And, and thank you, Jerry. It's been a pleasure again, and I really enjoyed learning about Antarctica. And um, that sounds good, yeah. So, okay, we'll see you next week. Oh, okay, Jerry, we'll see you next week, and thank you so right. much. Thank you. Uh-huh. Okay, bye-bye.